I want to read Mark chapter 8, 18 through 22 today. Mark chapter 2, 18 through 22. This is the word of God. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the new wineskins, or I'm sorry, the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. I want to talk to you today about new wine and new wineskins. New wine and new wineskins. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Wes. You're awesome. Can you guys give Wes some appreciation? So the disciples of John and the Pharisees noticed that Something they're doing is a lot more difficult than something Jesus is doing in the moment, which is fasting. Raise your hand if you really love fasting. You just love to not eat and totally deny yourself and like two, three people, okay. I'm learning to love it. (laughs) I'm learning to love it. It's hard. And they notice Jesus and his disciples, they're like feasting all the time. They're never fasting. And they're like, wait a second. The Pharisees were known for fasting two days a week, two whole days a week, usually like Wednesday, what we would call Wednesday and Friday, as part of their just regular religious routine. Jesus was not fasting. Of course, we know he did his 40-day fast in the wilderness, but after that, he wasn't fasting with his disciples. And so they came to him and said, how is it that John's disciples are fasting, the Pharisees are fasting, but Jesus... You're not fasting. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, you're not doing things like everyone else. You don't do life like everyone else does life. You don't do ministry like everyone else is doing ministry. You don't do church like everyone else is doing church. What's up with that? And Jesus gives them this answer he answers the first the specific part of the question about fasting and he says how can the the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's there with them you know at a you don't fast at a wedding a wedding is not a time to fast right you're supposed to be celebrating you're supposed to be feasting and especially in this day and age weddings were just like the epitome of feasting and it was a full-on party okay and so He's saying, I'm here with my guys. They cannot fast while I'm here. But he says later they will fast. Like after he ascends to heaven, fasting will be part of the spiritual discipline of the disciples of Christ. So he's answering that question. But then he says this, and he answers 
the other question, which is why are you doing things so differently than everyone else who's ever come before you? You're, you're just different, all right? The, 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 is it, what's the generation? Gen Z? The Gen Zers would say, he different, all right? That's like a thing now. You're doing it all different. And Jesus addresses that part of the question in the next few verses. And he gives, this, he gives two metaphors that are really about the same thing. You don't take a new garment, a new patch from a new garment, and sew it onto an old garment. If you think of a cotton t-shirt, like it's going to shrink. And so if you put that new patch on an old garment, as it gets old and as it gets washed and dries out, that's going to shrink. It's going to tear and make the old garment worse than it was. And then he gives this metaphor, same, two different metaphors, same principle that he's teaching on. He says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Because if you do, the wineskin will burst and it'll ruin both the wine and the wineskin. Now, in our culture, most of us don't even know what this means because we don't use wineskins anymore. We use bottles, right? So in their day, they would have used leather pouches that might have looked something like this. I think we have a picture of it. And they would use new leather, okay? So it's soft, it's pliable, um, and it's, it's stretchy in a sense. When you pour new wine into this wineskin, the wine goes through fermentation. And as the wine ferments, that's what creates the alcohol. That's what makes it wine versus just juice, right? And so as it ferments, it releases gas. And the gas is what causes it to expand, And so an old wineskin is like a leather wineskin that has become dried up. It's rigid. It can't change anymore. And so when you put the new wine in the old wineskin, it starts to expand. And the old wineskin's like, hey, I'm not budging. I'm not changing. And eventually it bursts. It blows up, right? And so, of course, the wineskin is ruined. And so is the new wine. And so Jesus says, If you want to make new wine, you have to put it into a new wineskin. And what he's saying is this. He's answering their question. Why do you do things so different? Here's why. God, the Father, is pouring out new wine in your generation. I am the new wine. I'm pouring out new wine. I need a new wineskin, which means I can't pour this new wine into the Pharisees' system or even into the way John the Baptist was doing things. Because if I I tried to pour my new wine into the Pharisees' system, they they, they were trying to stop him at every turn anyways, right? And so he knew that it wouldn't work. And so God was doing something new, and he needed a new way, a new system, a new strategy to do it. And I'm telling you the truth. The same is true in our day and age. Whenever God wants to do something new, when he wants to pour out some new wine, a fresh move of his Holy Spirit, he often chooses a new vehicle, a new person, a new strategy, a new way, a new way of doing things that will steward what he's wanting to do. Because if he tries to pour that new wine into a system or strategy, an organization, a church, or a people that are more committed to their ways or their schedules or their traditions than to him, then they will quench his spirit in the name of wisdom 
and tradition. They'll say things like, we don't do it that way. That's, that's against our tradition. In fact, in a lot of cases, people can get even downright offended by what is actually God himself pouring out new wine, doing a new thing, and they're offended by God because he's doing something different than they're used to. How many of you have seen The Chosen? Uh, it's, it's a great, I love that show. It's a great show. A great representation of Jesus and his disciples on the earth. Remember, I think it was season one, there was a moment where the disciples were struggling with the different ways Jesus was doing things. And I, f- I forget, one of them said something about it. And Jesus just, in the chosen episode, looks at him and says, get used to different. Get used to different. I love that. I love that. And by the way, just don't, <laughs> be careful about, ne- Jesus didn't say that. That's not in the Bible. He didn't say get used to different. I don't like this show. I'll say it this way. I think that is actually a really good paraphrase of Mark chapter 2 that we just read. Yeah, I'm different. God's pouring out new wine. You better get used to it. Or else you'll find yourself to be an old wineskin. Well, the denomination I grew up in did it this way. Well, my dad was a pastor, and he said, this is how it works, and this is how, this way we always, well, this is how my parents raised me. Okay. (laughs) Word of God, look there first. What's Holy Spirit doing? If you're an old wineskin, it could very well be the Spirit of God himself, Jesus himself saying, this is what I want. This is what I'm doing. And he starts doing it, and you are the one resisting him because of your old wineskin mindset of traditions, of just ways you've gotten used to. And you could be in danger of quenching what the Spirit of God wants to do. And Jesus said, if that happens, it'll burst the skin. It'll ruin the wineskin, and it'll ruin the wine. And I believe God wants to do so much more on the earth than he's able to do because of our lack of faith. And if that sounds like a theologically incorrect statement, just go read the story about Jesus in Nazareth where he was unable to do many miracles because of their lack of faith. God desires to move, but he works through us. He works through people. He works through our faith. It's a partnership. And so I want to encourage you today not to be an old wineskin, to be soft, to be pliable when God's doing something new. And when God does something new, guess what? It feels new. It's like, oh, it feels different. (laughs) This is different. When you move into a podunk strip mall and paint the ceilings black and use modern pop rock music. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the, the worship revolution happened like 20 years ago. But for some reason, 30 years ago even, the 70s is really when it started. <laughs> but when we started this church, it was like a whole lot of people in this community. This is different. We still have people to this day, you know, grow up in a traditional church or Catholic church their whole life. They come here like... I ain't never heard church like this before. (laughs) It's different. It is, absolutely. Because God's wanting to do something new. And Jesus said, don't judge by mere appearances. Make a right judgment. 
Make a right judgment. Is this the word of God? Does the word of God make space for this? Does the word of God forbid this? And is it the spirit of God? Is the Holy Spirit here? What's the fruit? Are people getting saved? Are they placing their faith in Jesus? Are they being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are they loving one another? Are they using their gifts to serve one another? So I want to encourage you today not to be an old wineskin. A friend of mine, mentor of mine said, you know, I have this theory. We tend to think that just churches or denominations can be old wineskins. He's like, I have a theory that any church or any person can become an old wineskin over time. Because they, we all get set in our ways and we're creatures of habit. And man, I have so much compassion for y'all. Because I have a very entrepreneurial spirit. I'm a creative person. And I'm one of the like, there's actually, they've done studies on this and percentages. But I'm one of the small percent that loves change. I'm like, we're doing something new? Cool, fun, let's see what happens. But most people don't like change. We get set in our ways. We get set in our habits. And ways and habits and customs are good as well. It's how we build spiritual discipline into our lives. And so it's a both and. But I want to encourage you today not to be an old wineskin. And so we've been in this 50 days of prayer between Easter and Pentecost. And God spoke to me right, right before that. Our prayer meeting started getting very spirit-filled. And I was really, the Lord was just coming on me in particular in much more powerful ways during some of our prayer meetings leading up to Easter. And I was like, what is going on? And I felt like the Lord said to me, I'm calling you to a labor. And, I, and the first impression was like labor of birthing something, you know? <sighs> you know, sorry, for, sorry. <laughs> that was real visual. Calling you to a labor. And I'm like, okay. And then we kept praying into that and felt led to do 50 days of prayer and intercession. And it's a labor, it is birthing something, but it's a labor of intercession. It's a labor of prayer that will birth something on the earth. And it coincides with new wine that God wants to pour out. A new move of his Holy Spirit um, in our church family um, and through our church family. And I believe even in this region. And he's doing this many places across the world. And so we've been praying. And the first day of that, that 50 days of prayer, it was a Monday morning right after Easter. We were in here at noon praying. And I remember being on my knees up here in the front. I was praying out loud. And I prayed this bold prayer, you know. And to me, it just came into my heart. And I'm like, well, that's a good prayer. If that's a good prayer, I'm going to pray it. And I said, Lord, you're wanting to pour out new wine. And so, Lord, would you just show me right now? Would you show me, would you show us if there's anything we need to do to to change our habits, our customs, our systems, the way we do church, the way we live our lives, if there's anything we need to do to help steward the new wine that you want to pour out, would you please show me? Would you please show me? Would you please show us as a church family? And I just moved on. I kept praying. I thought, man, you ever pray a good prayer? And you're just like, man, that's a good prayer. You just move on. You really forget about what the implications of that prayer might be. And so I didn't even put it together till later. But over the next week, God began speaking to me very strongly. 
And he was showing me some things that he wants us to start changing in our church family. And really, it's a new strategy for how we're going to do our weekend services and how we're going to, our, our rhythm of life as a church family. And it actually harkens back to around revival last year and some changes we made back there, and it coincides with that. And I'm going to explain some of that as we talk about it today. But I want to, therefore, make a special announcement today about a new strategy that we're, we're going to be implementing here in a few weeks. And, of course, as I was sensing that several, I mean, that was a month ago, whenever it was, right after Easter. And, of course, over the next several weeks, began talking to our staff and our leadership and we began praying into that. And the Lord was confirming it, confirming it. So we're like, all right, we're doing this. And, and the Lord was also adamant. He wants this soon. He wants this now. He wants, this, he wants us to go on this. And so uh, we felt the confirmation. And then, obviously, we're pulling the trigger. And so here's the announcement. Uh, coming up in two weeks, which is uh, the last weekend in May, which is also Pentecost weekend, May 27th, 28th, we are going to move to a new strategy of having one Saturday night service at 6 p.m. and one Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. And then we're going to move our Pulse Youth Gatherings from Sunday nights to Wednesday nights. Okay? Yes, one person is super excited. All right. Yay. Lord, pray her spirit of enthusiasm over everyone. Okay. And so Saturday night services, I think we have, yeah, there it is. Saturday night services will be family style, which means there's no wild and free kids ministry. You'll, but we would love it if you would bring your kids Saturday night, if you want to come Saturdays, and bring them in the service. And what we've learned is there are people who argue for, you should have your kids in the church service with you. And then there's people that argue for, they can learn way better at, at their level. And here's what I've learned. There's advantages to both. And so... Uh, Saturday nights, if you come Saturday nights, bring them on in, and they'll learn how to worship with you. They will, uh, they'll learn. We've had kids get saved from my sermons. Now, that blows me away. But, I mean, young kids who tune in and listen and have gotten saved from adult preaching. And so it's, it's awesome. Um, and then Sunday mornings, we'll have our uh, normal uh, wild and free kids ministry. Um, and then, as I said, Pulse will be moving to Wednesday nights. And so uh, we also feel like, and I'm going to explain this a lot more here in a few minutes, um, but this coincides with the change we made last year of extending our service times, which you're all obviously aware of. But our new format, this is what explicitly I felt the Lord was saying. Our new format will be this. Our services will be, he, he said this to me, plan for services to be between two and three hours and will feature times of worship, communion, prayer, prophetic ministry, training, teaching, sermons, right? And ministry times, okay? Now, we've done all of that here and there in different services, and we do a lot of that. We always do worship and preaching, right? But then we sprinkle the rest of that in. And really, I feel like what the Lord is saying, what he's wanting is, I want you to do it all every week. Um, and so this is what we're planning on. This is what we're planning for um, our services, we, we have planned for about two hours, uh, on a Sunday morning. Our second service always goes a little longer because we know that we have the freedom to, if that makes sense. And so second service, especially, we've already been going two twenty, two two hours, 30 minutes, whatever. Um, 
our kids pastor, April, was planning on adding another class and uh, adding a few minutes to the rotation of the kids um, so that if we need to, we can cover three hours, um, that type of thing. And so that's our plan. Um, and I just want to say this. I, we, 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 as a leadership, as a staff, we appreciate your grace uh, in this transition because it is a transition. Of course, it's going to affect volunteer scheduling and all that stuff. So if you're a volunteer, if you serve here, we appreciate your grace in this because especially in this first month of the transition, especially there will be some transition. And we realize that and we know uh, that, that you all realize that. So thank you for your grace in that. And so our team is already communicating with their teams, volunteers, to help get the schedules together. Uh, I want to say Pulse is planning their first gathering for June 7th. So they're not going to jump into Wednesdays until June, um, if that makes sense. So I want to spend the rest of our time just talking about why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Um, It's a really important question. And I actually want to start at the beginning. In the beginning. Uh, (laughs) So we started about in 2014, over nine years ago as a church. And from the beginning, um, our church has always been deeply rooted in the word of God. And, but we've been on this journey of growing in faith and growing in the Holy Spirit and growing in spiritual gifts. From the beginning, We've, I, I will say this, from the beginning, we've always had the same theology. Our theology has never changed. But man, I was 29 years old when I moved to start this church. And the people who helped start this church, most of them were in their late 20s or early 30s. And so we just didn't have a lot of experience. And you know, the Bible says we need to grow in the grace of God. Faith is something we grow in, Right? And so we, we started a church, but we started this journey of growing in faith. And especially in our culture, we were, we were open to the Holy Spirit. Some of us had experiences with the Holy Spirit. I personally uh, did not have enough experience with all the spiritual gifts to be able to lead a church to facilitate, you know, impartation and baptisms of the Spirit or uh, training people in spiritual gifts or facilitate services where we could use all the spiritual gifts. I just didn't have that knowledge. I didn't have that experience. I didn't have that ability at that time. And that's okay. God still used what we did at that time. And he's, he's always been with us. He's always been blessing our journey. But that's how we started. And so we've been on this journey of growing in those things. In 2016, um, we went to Open Heavens Ministries deliverance training which is uh, deliverance, spiritual warfare, that inner healing, those types of things. I didn't even realize, I didn't even really know what that was about. And my wife and I in particular got really uh, blessed. We got set free from some fear and insecurity and condemnation and shame types of things uh, over issues that we thought in our past were resolved, but we still carried kind of what we prayed through this morning in worship. It was that type of stuff uh, for me in particular. And it was awesome. And then we were also filled with the Holy Spirit. We filled with the Father's love in a very, very profound way. And it was awesome. And I remember I got back that weekend, and I was like, we are doing this. We have to lead our people in this. This is amazing. And over the next three months, we took over 100 people through the deliverance prayer training, and many of them received just profound experiences as well. Soon after that, we started our own ministry team, our spiritual health team, and where we do, uh, it's kind of pastoral care, pastoral counseling, but it's, there's a focus on deliverance and inner healing. And we have, 
that has borne so much miraculous Holy Spirit fruit in our church. Like, I can't even, we would be here for two weeks if I were to try to explain to you how much fruit that has borne in our church. It's been awesome. But that also showed us, oh my goodness, when people say there is more for you to experience with the Lord, there's a lot more. And so that said to me, you know, I had had some, I could hear the Lord's voice and I'd had some prophetic dreams, but then I had this experience. I started doing deliverance ministry. I'm like, what about all these other spiritual gifts? I want to know about those. What about baptism of the Holy Spirit? What about this? What about that? And I realized, again, I did not grow up in traditions of church that focused on those things. In fact, they were, they said those things didn't happen anymore, which is just a, an erroneous teaching mostly out of ignorance. Um, and so most people aren't malicious in that. But that's how I grew up. And so we started, our, myself in particular, and then several of our, I kind of led our staff and leadership to seek out more teaching, more experience from people who are, at the time, I'm like, I don't know who these people are, but they're saying that they know about these things. They're saying that, that they've experienced these things, and they're teaching and they're training on it. Let's go learn from them. And we went to several conferences and seminars and uh, things through the trainings through the years from lots of different groups that are what we might call in our culture charismatic, what I might call now biblical. Haha, <laughs> that's a joke. Anyway, it's really not a joke. Um, actually, that actually that was serious. Um, I was trying to remove the sting from it uh, on some of you, but uh, I guess I Jesus didn't pull punches, so I'm trying to become aware when I do. Um, <laughs> I do believe that's more biblical. Anyways, whew, focus. What I found, I, I can't think of a single one of those things that I went to from any of these groups where I was like, oh, this ain't God. I don't know about this. No, every one of them, I was like, whoa, these people are humble. These people love Jesus. And then they start praying. That dude right in front of me just got healed, and I saw him limp in here. What in the heck is going on? This sounds like the Bible. And then I'd have people pray over me. I had some awesome experiences. I started growing in different spiritual gifts. Of course, we uh, slowly but surely, we were incorporating healing prayer and deliverance prayer into our church family. And even some prophetic ministry very early on. I think 2018 was when we were like, if you ever have a word, you feel like the Lord, come up here. And our, our youth ministry got started, I think it was 2017, 2018, through a prophetic word. And it was, a, it was a lady in our church who was not super prophetic. And she said the whole service was like, oh, God wouldn't leave her alone. She came up, she's like, I just feel like we're supposed to start a youth ministry. Like, the, the end. And like walk, and we're like, all righty then. And I started talking to Jamie Warren at the time, who was one of our volunteers and had a full-time job elsewhere. And I was like, you remember what she said, Sonny? What do you think about that? And we started talking, and it was like, that's, we started our youth ministry, I think it was that fall. Um, out of a prophetic word. That was back in 2018, okay? And so we continued growing in these things. Um, 2019, I led a, I did a sermon series on the, it was just called the Holy Spirit. And we walked through different spiritual gifts. And at the end of that series, we did our first ever, actually next last week of that series, Jamie Warren did a sermon on healing. Um, I believe Jamie has a healing gift, anointing, and he grew up in a church that was all about healing prayer and he did a sermon on healing, and he led a healing prayer time, and several people got healed. It was really awesome. And then the last weekend of that uh, series, uh, we did our first ever impartation day on a Sunday morning. 
And I just taught on impartation. And if impartation means to give or to receive like a gift. And so it's where, uh, that's a word we use now in our culture to say the laying on of hands to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's, that's really what it means. And so we did that. We had our prayer team up here. And I, I said, you know, if you're here today and you don't want to participate in this, as we start praying, you're welcome to leave. Like, we're not forcing anybody, you know. Uh, but if you want to, you know, this is biblical. And if you want to receive today, come up and receive prayer. And, man, I was so proud of our church. Like 90% of people got prayer that day from our ministry team. The first service, we ended on time, but the first service ran, as we were praying, ran into the second service, praying for people. Then we did second service that day, and we stayed for like three hours after church praying for people. And and there were some double dippers, all right? I'm like, whoa, that was cool, and you got back in line, all right? And we know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. It was awesome. It was really great. Um, and we, we heard many stories from that of profound, awesome, supernatural experiences. There was one guy, <laughs> he said he went down the line, and people were spread out, and they were kind of, you know, they weren't praying super loud. He said every prayer team member, five people in a row, prayed the exact same thing over me. And I just walked out and went, God is real. <laughs> God is real. You know, we had people, there were lots of other stories from that day. People got healed and filled with the Spirit. It was awesome. That was in 2019. We're still growing in these things, okay, in our journey. And then COVID hit, right? The world shuts down. Uh, we didn't meet from March till I think we came back in person. In no, we, we got back in person in the park in the summer, but then November we, we uh, came back in the building in person. And, of course, after covid there was a lot of transition in, in everyone, in every church. We had some staff members leave. And 2021 was really a year of us getting our legs back under us as a church, of just getting back to being together and kind of restarting after COVID. And 2022, actually 2020, 2021, um, those, during COVID and then right after COVID in 2021, the Lord gave several prophetic words to different people that our church is like a caterpillar. And in this season, we're going into a cocoon. And we're going to emerge a butterfly. And that was the imagery. It's a, you're going through a metamorphosis. And that was super encouraging to me at the time because I studied into this. I taught a sermon on it a while back, probably during that time. But when a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it completely disintegrates into liquid And then it, you know, the cells miraculously, awesomely got in there, knitting it together into a butterfly, rebuilds in the butterfly, and it comes out a butterfly. It's really amazing. So caterpillar dies. And, you know, post-COVID, it was like, this is death. This is awful, you know. And the Lord's like, no, it's life. You're going through metamorphosis. This is amazing. This is what I've wanted. This has been the plan the whole time. And so we got these words about, Your church is a caterpillar. You're going to be a butterfly. Also, shortly after COVID, I think it was January of 2021, was when the Lord first spoke to me about, oh, by the way, the name of your church is Free People. And I was like, huh? And I told that story when we changed our name. That started a whole year-long process of us praying and discerning about that and then deciding to change our name, which we finally set for last summer, okay, and so all of this is happening. And I'll be honest with you, these, are all, these all at the time felt like separate things. 
just separate strings or streams. And what we've realized is all of this is going together. God is working it all together, which leads up to last year in March. uh, Took over, I think it was about 30 people to a conference by Global Awakening, our leadership staff, ministry team. And during that conference, um, we, we just got totally rocked by the Holy Spirit. You've heard me tell the story. Uh, not just myself, several people got radically baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know? Just amazing, awesome, over-the-top experiences with the Lord. And many of those looked very, very different, you know? I've told you my story about whew, just being filled and speaking in tongues a lot for several days. And, uh, I mean, one ministry team member fell out in the Spirit and was out for several hours. We're like, oh, just let her rest, you know? And when she got up, she's like, I went somewhere, and I had visions with Jesus. It's like, all righty then. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. Like, next level stuff. And the Lord was speaking to me at that conference, me personally. Like, when you get back, like, we're going now. You've been building your whole journey as a church. You've been growing, and you've been building into this. And now it's time to make the shift. Now you're stepping into being the butterfly. And so what he was wanting us to do uh, when he spoke to me is like, I, he's like, I want you to start doing the prophetic words and words of knowledge every week. Like, just start doing it every week. Um, facilitate that. He's like, do these first Friday uh, nights where it, they're just Holy Spirit nights. We just called them Holy Spirit nights. And I called them that because I didn't know what to call them. I was like, I don't even know what we're going to do because the Holy Spirit's going to lead it. And most of those nights we came in, we would do a few songs of worship, we'd pray, and then we'd just start doing what the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And they were phenomenal. It was awesome. And many, many people got filled with the Holy Spirit. We had some deliverances. Uh, it, was just, it was just incredible. Uh, I remember there was uh, someone who doesn't go to church here, but they came to one of our first Friday nights, and she was sitting right there. And um, somewhere during the night, we started a ministry time. We're just praying over people, you know, and the Holy Spirit's really moving. And she just starts screaming. She's like, ah, ah. And um, I just remember we were praying. I just remember looking over and going, huh. And here's what I've learned to do when, I mean, it was like blood curling. It's like, you're not like shout of praise. That's like something's coming out type of scream. You know what I'm saying? And she was doing that. And here's what I, here's how I, I honestly church, I go, oh, the sound of freedom. Oh, that's great. And I just remember going, oh, cool. God's doing stuff. Anyways, and we just kept praying. And later on, we found out that lady came with a friend. They got in the car and they were driving home. And she said to her friend, she goes, man, that was, they were just like, man, that was great. That was so great. She goes, man, that lady behind us just started screaming. Did you hear that? The lady that was screaming said that. That lady behind us, she just started screaming. Did you hear that? She's going on and on about it. Her friend goes, um, that was you. And she goes, no, 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 no. That wasn't me. She had no idea because she, she was somewhere with Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus was delivering her for some things. <laughs> Sovereign deliverance. Nobody was even praying over her. It just was happening. And so when that happened, people came and prayed over her. But it was awesome. So that was like our first Fridays were like that. I mean, lots of people having amazing uh, Holy Spirit experiences. And so we did that. Of course, that led into us. uh, Last July was finally when we were able to change our name from Resonance Church to Free People Church. 
And really what, I didn't realize it when he said, your name's free people. I, I didn't even understand it. I was like, why are we changing our name? I have no idea why we're doing this. And then after that, words about caterpillar, butterfly, and then this journey with the Holy Spirit. And we're growing and we're growing. And really what we discerned is Resonance Church was a caterpillar. It was where we started. It was where we needed to start. You know, butterfly, when it's, when it's born, it's not born a butterfly. It has to start as a caterpillar. And then it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And it goes into the cocoon. And it goes through a metamorphosis. And it comes out the butterfly. So Resonance Church was caterpillar. Free people as a butterfly. And this all coincides with our growth knowledge and experience of the Holy Spirit. Because again, we've always been grounded in the Word of God. We've always been grounded in salvation. Oh man, we're, everybody's good at that, right? Get saved, get saved. But then the Lord's like, I want to add Holy Spirit power. I want to grow you in spiritual gifts. And here's, here's the revelation I've had. Did you know the 12 disciples of Jesus went through the same process? When he called them, they're like, all right, we're following them. We don't know nothing. And they're just going around doing what he says. They have no concept of what the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is, of what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, of what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. They don't even know. They're just following Jesus. They're just doing what he says. And then they get to this point where it seems like all is lost. It's the crucifixion. And man, I'm telling you, between crucifixion and Pentecost, they went into a cocoon. They did not leave the upper room. And some of that, part of that was to pray, but part of that was they were terrified of the same government that just murdered Jesus. And yes, Jesus is appearing, but when you read the accounts of Jesus appearing, they're utterly confused. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Peter's like, he's already seen resurrected Jesus, and then he's like, let's go fishing again. I'm going to go back to fishing. Do you understand? It was a cocoon. They were scared. They were worried. What's going on? Jesus is alive, I guess. What in the world? Metamorphosis. (laughs) And then Pentecost came. You know what Pentecost was? The fullness. The fullness of what God wanted. Now, they're empowered witnesses. Now, there's these things called spiritual gifts. Show me in the Old Testament where it talks about spiritual gifts. There's only one verse, and it's when he ascended on high, he led captives in the train and gave gifts to men. But they had no concept that was talking about spiritual gifts. No concept at all. My point is this. God was doing something different. And even when Pentecost happened, they had no idea even what spiritual gifts were. They had to figure that out. And Paul's writing Corinthians 30 years later. Here's what spiritual gifts are. Now we kind of understand what's going on. And this is what we've seen. And there appear to be these gifts. And here's what they look like. My point is that the original disciples of Jesus went through this growth process and this transformation. Our faith walk with Jesus, well, let me say it this way. We never graduate from discipleship. When John, most scholars believe he's 80, 90 years old on the Isle of Patmos and he gets the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that's the most powerful awesome revelation God experience he's ever had in his life. And he's at the end of his life. And 
When did he have that experience? He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Which means what? He had a habit of just getting in the spirit, of just praying to the Lord. And while he was doing that, as an 80, 90-year-old man, he receives the most powerful experience from Jesus he's ever had. And it becomes the book of Revelation. And so we never graduate from, discipleship means being a student. It means a learner. We never graduate from learning, growing in Christ. And I say all this to say because our church has been through a lot of change since we started. COVID forced a lot of change. Post-COVID, our church has been through a lot of change. In the last year, our church has been through a lot of change. And when there's change, and when everyone doesn't see the big picture and the full story, it, it can make room for mistrust and suspicion, and I don't know why we're doing this, and then the enemy gets in there and then the enemy sows his lies and people can start to think things like this church just changes too much well I just don't like this this isn't how it used to be and already a new church has an old wineskin mindset this isn't how we used to do things correct that is correct and uh God has us on a journey and we're ever-changing, and we're ever-growing. And I believe that this change we're making is the new wineskin that God's wanting. So after revival last year, well, first of all, all this led up to, kind of talked about to our name change, then our revival. And how many of you remember our revival last year? Some of you might be new, and you weren't there, you didn't know about it. Yeah. It was awesome. And we didn't see that coming. The Lord started speaking on that like a month or two before, and it was not two. It was like a month before, and we only had a few weeks to throw together. And all of our staff and leadership, including me, were like, we don't want to do this <laughs> because of the, the quickness and the lack of planning <laughs> and how fast we would have to shift. But we know it's God. So when you know it's God, who cares if you want to or not? <laughs> so we do it. And by, like, the first night, we're like, this is amazing. <laughs> Why did we never want to do this? So much fruit. We saw almost 70 people get baptized in three weeks. We saw, we, saw, we saw dozens of people receive healing in their body. We saw dozens of people get set free from some demonic oppression in their life. We saw dozens of people be filled with the Holy Spirit, many of them for the first time in their lives. It was phenomenal. And as we were doing that, I just had these impressions like, this is the butterfly right here, man. This is the butterfly. Woo. And towards the end of revival, someone said to me, this is so amazing. How are we ever going to go back to Sunday morning as usual? And I just looked at him and I said, maybe we don't have to. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe Sunday morning as usual is an old wineskin mindset of what we think we have to do. Last night, a revival was just super powerful. Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. It was incredible. And at the end, we just had a big old prayer time, and it just became a holy hot mess, and it was awesome. And uh, bodies were on the ground, people stepping over people out in the Spirit. It was, it was amazing. And I was very full of the Spirit, and I was walking around just praying over people, as the Lord led. And I walked up to Kenton Bailey, who's on our leadership team and running sound right now. 
Yep. Say hi, Ken. <laughs> I just want to honor Ken for a minute because the dude's been running sound for our church since we started, and it's part of the reason that our band sounds so awesome. I'm just going to be honest with you. Real quick, I was in college. <laughs> when I was in college, we had some awesome bands and not awesome sound guys, and it didn't matter how awesome the band was. It sounded like junk, all right? So honor and value to Kenton Bailey. Praise God for him. So anyways, oh, my wife says he prays over the sound as he runs sound. Yes. Anything else? <laughs> okay. All right. She's... <laughs> Actually, my whole sermons, my, I have an earpiece. My wife's telling me what to say. So that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if she's telling me something, I'm going to stop the sermon and listen. All right. <laughs> what was I saying? So last night of revival, I walked up to camp. I was very full of the Spirit. And it was one of those moments where I gave a prophetic word over him, but when it's that strong, when you're that in the spirit, when you're that flowing, it's not, you know, when you pray sometimes, it's like, oh, what should I pray? What should I pray? Thoughts come in, you're like, that sounds nice. That might be God. I think I might pray that. And then you choose to pray, right? That's normal. When you're really in the spirit, it just flies out of your mouth. You're like, what am I saying right now? Um, And it was one of those moments. And Kent and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I started, (laughs) and he's my friend, and he's a man, so I felt comfortable to do this, but I started tapping on his chest, and I didn't know why, and I was sitting there thinking, Lord, what am I doing, right? And I was tapping like this, see if I can do it, there we go, and then this prophetic word came out, and I said, the rhythm is changing, get in rhythm with what God is doing, the rhythm is changing, you have been in rhythm, but the rhythm is changing, so get in rhythm with what God is doing, and in the middle of that, as I was doing it, I switched from this to. Yeah. Which for you musicians is like quarter notes to syncopated sixteenths, right? And so I wasn't thinking, I just switched, right? As I was saying that. And I thought, and I, it was one of those spirit led things. And I was like, whoa. And then I said the word. And as soon as it, I got it out, it was like, it released. I was like, and I just looked at him, I was like, all right, all right then. And I just kind of walked away. (laughs) It was very significant. And it was significant for me because of the last line. This is not just for you. This is for our whole church. And I remembered that. And I know God was stirring a lot of me through revival. And what he was stirring in me is, this is a pattern. This is a pattern. This is a way of doing things. Revival. How we did things in revival. Part, part of the reason that we saw God do so much is we made space for him to do so much. And we didn't have our little boxes of what we got to do and we got to get through this, right, on time. We got to get everybody out on time. No, it was a Friday, Saturday night. We had plenty of time. And by the way, if we go long and you want to leave, just leave, all right? But we're going to facilitate what God is doing. And God was like, this is a pattern. Pay attention to this. And then I had this word over Kent and I'm like, the rhythm is changing. Oh, I feel like this is connected somehow. And right after revival, the Lord was stirring me very strongly. We started talking to our team, like, God's doing something here, and, and I feel like we're supposed to do this in our services, 
and, and how do we facilitate this, right? And that's when we started talking about extending our service times. And so last fall in November, we, we, September, October, we were all talking and praying through all that. And by November, we announced, hey, we're going to make this change to extend our service times from at the time it was like an hour and a half to two hours on Sunday morning so that we can have more space to do all the things that God wants us to do. And so we eventually went to that change, and we made that change, and we've been living in that change. And by the way, that's borne a lot of fruit. There's been a lot of good things come from that, of giving God more space. But here's something we, we didn't tell you all. <laughs> we also talked about this other idea. <laughs> and the other idea was, what if we went to one Saturday night service and one Sunday morning service and moved Pulse to midweek? What if we did that? What would that be like? And we actually talked about that. And the reason we talked about that, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, God started, so we talked about it. I even mentioned to our worship team, like, what if we did this? Could you guys do that? I don't know. We all talked about it. And then we landed on, let's just extend our services for now. And the reason that we talked about that was I felt like the Lord was showing me that after revival, but I wasn't sure. It was a very vague impression, right? And so I shared that with our team. And I wasn't sure. And the bigger a decision is and the more change it is, you really need more confirmation. And as we talked through it, I didn't feel confident enough that we had enough confirmation to make that big of a change at that time. And so that's why we ended up just going with, well, let's extend our services, okay? And so that's what we did. So God brings it back up uh, during our 50 days of prayer, probably about a month ago. And he began speaking it to me, and I wrote all this in my journal. And, of course, began talking to our team about it. And then a week or two ago, we were in a prayer time, and, the, and it was pretty quiet. And the Lord said to me, go look back through your journal. And I went back through my journal, and I found an entry from September 6th of last year. And it was right after revival. And I wrote down some things about the Lord's, you know, revival was a pattern. There's a, there's a new strategy that he's wanting to facilitate, you know, more of his spirit moving. And I wrote down the prophetic word I gave to Kenton. The rhythm is changing. And I remember meditating that day as I read it. I was being reminded like, oh, yeah. And I sat there in prayer and I was like, what would it look like for us to change the rhythm of our church to facilitate God moving in a greater way, a pattern, a strategy that looks more like revival? And you know what I wrote down on September 6th of 2022? One Saturday night service at 6 p.m., one Sunday morning service, 10 a.m., and we'll move Pulse to Wednesdays in the middle of the week. Because to me, it was just like, well, that will give us the most freedom. I, and, and by the way, and then also below that, and this was amazing because about a month ago, as the Lord was speaking to me on this, I wrote down the whole, we're going to plan for between two and three hour services with times of worship, prayer, prophecy, communion, training, and ministry. And right under that, the service times, I wrote that exact sentence, and I totally forgot about it. And so that was a confirmation for me personally that this is what the Lord is doing. This is what he's saying. And again, when we shared it recently, several of our staff and leadership confirmed that, and the Lord has confirmed it in a lot of other ways. And so I just wanted to share the story with you <laughs> to help you understand why things keep changing in this church. 
And it, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to apologize. We are not like other churches. We don't want to be like other churches. In fact, I think one of the problems with church in America is we're always looking at what other churches are doing, and we just do what they do. <laughs> Why does our church keep changing? I know for me, it's, I've had my eyes on Jesus daily, and as he says, do this, now do this, now do this, now do this, we do it. And so we've been growing, and we've been changing. And here's what I've learned, looking back at every change we've made in our past, every change, every major change, it has borne immense fruit, immense fruit, immense fruit. And so when I think about this change coming up, I was nervous when the Lord first started speaking about it. But by now, because I'm, I've had about a month to sit with it, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Because I think what the Lord is setting us up for is revival every single weekend. Every single weekend. Every single weekend. Every single weekend. And I'm talking about as awesome as our revival was. Every, like we come to church knowing People are going to get saved today. People are going to be healed today. People are going to be set free from demonic oppression today. People are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit this weekend. That is what God is wanting to do. I have a few minutes left, and I want to share with you some of what the Lord showed me as a pastor and as a leader Because I want, as our church family, I want you to be aware of this and how I feel about it. (laughs) That why this change is so important other than what I just shared. I believe this type of church is what God is wanting for every church, okay? Let me read you a verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. This was one of the verses he highlighted after um, revival because we really started operating in all the gifts, and one of those happened to be speaking in tongues in in a greater way. Which, by the way, we've always had people who spoke in tongues but we just started making it a part of our church life in a greater way. And, of course, that bothered some people. Um, but uh, this is the verse that, so I'm studying 1 Corinthians 14. Sorry, there's the connecting thought because it speaks about that. And I came across this verse. What, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? And he's This isn't an exhaustive list. He's just saying, here's a list of all the different types of things that you might do when you're together in church, right? We all know there's lots of different things that we do as a church family when we're together. And listen to this last part of the verse. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So, And he's listing things related not just to worship, not just to teaching, but to spiritual gifts, The American church is really good at worship and preaching. And there's a reason for that. The American church is not good at all when it comes to baptism in the Holy Spirit and operating in spiritual gifts. And there's a reason for that. And I want to share with you the reason. Because I'm a church planner. I went through a lot. I studied leadership in college. That was my major. Then I got out and went through many church planning trainings. And I can reveal to you the American church growth, church planning mindset, okay? 
And it goes something like this. You need to do church in a way that people who don't know God will want to come. Okay, and that sounds good. So, but here's what it looks like. Keep your services to an hour and 15 minutes because people don't want to sit through more than that. Keep your sermons under 35 minutes. Don't dare ever go over 40 because people don't want to sit through that. And that's it. (laughs) Do three or four songs. Do a little sermon. Bless them. Have a nice week. And what that will enable you to do is help reach people who don't know God, right? It's an evangelistic mindset because they don't want to sit through anything other than that. They don't understand it. And there's all these reasons that we use. And here's what I've learned. Those reasons are half-truths. They're half-truths. Here's what I've learned. You know what people want? They want truth. Tell me like it is. And if you will not hold back and speak truth, I've learned people will sit through an hour sermon if you're telling them the truth. They want to know the truth. And isn't that funny? That's our job as Christians. That's especially my job as a preacher. Tell people the truth. But that mindset plays into, here's what I learned. I got to say it simply. I wrote three or four pages of notes on this. And I'll just say it this simply. That old mindset, we used to live in that mindset. And I'll just be honest with you, I was so frustrated all the time because I, I could not preach a sermon under 40 minutes if I tried, okay? It's just not in me. I did one time, Bill Family Sunday, that first, I had to get done soon. It was like 20 minutes. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> But what I learned, the Lord started removing veils from me as a leader several years ago. And what I learned is we were doing church in a way that accommodated people's strongholds. What do I mean by that? By the way, let me, I I personally as a leader didn't buy into the fullness of this, but a lot of American churches buy into the rest of that strategy, which is also don't speak about hard cultural topics like sexual morality, LGBTQ. Uh, don't talk about money or tithing. Don't talk about hell and eternal judgment. And don't talk about, you know, the stuff, abortion. Don't talk about the, the, the hot button topics that make people uncomfortable. That also goes with that mindset. Just make the sermons, all the, yeah, do the scriptures, but it's God loves you. You know, God's with you. You know, he's working all things, so you're good. You just say this prayer, you get saved. It's all great. All the encouraging stuff, never share the challenging stuff. That goes with that mindset as well. Now, they don't think, they're not thinking that maliciously, right? It's in ignorance, and they buy into what I would call demonic half-truth mindsets. And they think they're doing it for a good reason. And the veils God ripped off of me, and I can't see it any other way now, is you're doing church in a way that accommodates people's strongholds. In other words, let's say a believer comes into your church. They just moved here. They're looking for a new church. They come in. But they don't, they've never heard someone speak in tongues. They don't know about prophecy. They heard grown up, that's not of God. He's not doing that anymore. And by the way, with that old mindset also goes, don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit and don't, don't practice it a lot on Sunday mornings because it's weird 
and it makes people uncomfortable. So let's say that person comes in, and we're like, hey, we're going to have a prophetic word. Hey, so-and-so has a word in tongues. Oh, they gave it. Interpretation. Awesome. Cool. Hey, awesome. Now we're going to... That mindset is like, oh, don't do that stuff because so-and-so will be uncomfortable. Let's say in the same service, another person comes in, and they're wrestling with, am I gay or not? Or maybe they're, they have a friend that is. Uh, my friend is gay. What about them? You know? Oh, don't talk about that stuff. Listen, because you'll make them uncomfortable. And I've heard, past, I've heard this at a leadership conference from a well-known pastor. Don't talk about that stuff. You'll make them uncomfortable, and then they won't come back, and they won't get to know Jesus. Mm. So you never talk about it. Here's what you're doing. So-and-so has a stronghold. They have a high and lofty thing, idea, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and it's suppressing and subduing their faith. That's called a stronghold. So-and-so has a stronghold about sexuality, about gender. This so-and-so has a stronghold about prophecy and spiritual gifts because they've never seen it demonstrated, and that stronghold was created by the church they grew up in, in this example. So I'm going to do church in a way that accommodates people's strongholds, which means they never get free, which means we get lots of followers. We build mega churches and they're spiritual infants. And here's what it's like in the spirit. And God showed me this as I was praying into this. You know what it's like when we do church that way? It's like we're doing church in a prison. And so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are all in their prison cells all week long. They never get free. And you know what church is? It's like the prison yard that's outside, and there's a basketball court, and the sun's shining. And once a week, they get to go out, and they're like, oh, this feels nice. Oh, there's other, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm struggling too. Yeah, my life sucks too. Me too, brother. Okay. You feel better because everybody's suffering. Then you leave church, and you go right back into your prison cell. My veils have been torn off. Once you know, you can't unknow. Once you see, you can't unsee. And then you are responsible. I'm responsible as a leader, more so even. But I'm telling you, you are responsible. Scripture says it, plain as day. So when you're out and you believe in tongues and you believe in the gifts and you believe you think our church is great, but you know we're kind of weird. So when your friends or family ask, what do you think about these things? I'm just telling you, you're responsible to tell them truth. Now, I'm a teacher. I'll be judged more strictly. I'm more responsible. So I'm responsible to lead our church in the truth. <laughs> and God's gracious. I didn't know everything the day I got saved. I didn't know everything the day that I started this church. I don't know everything now. I won't know everything when I'm 80 or 90. But as God reveals more and more to me, you better believe I'm going to be faithful in leading this church to what God is revealing. And when he reveals it to me personally, it's a personal revelation. Oh, I get baptized in the spirit. Oh, you speak in tongues. Well, this is really awesome. I'm going to do it every day in my prayer time, which I do.
It's blessed my life so much. Personal revelation. Wow, I didn't know this was amazing. Then I go read the Bible. (laughs) It's been there all along. (laughs) We're supposed to be blessing people to teaching into this. You can receive these gifts. You can use these gifts. You can be empowered. And the gifts are used so the body's built up. Which brings me back to 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Everything must be done. This is God's prescription for church. God's way of church is not. It will be an hour long. And you'll just do music, worship, and preaching. Because that's what people like. Jesus didn't do his teaching and discipleship based on what people would like. He did it based on what the Father was showing him, based on truth. Scripture says God's prescription, God's method, God's wineskin for churches. I want everything done. And here's, here's, this is how I used to operate, and this is how a whole lot of American church operates. Hey, Sunday mornings, short, it's all the time we have. It's all we can do. And so all we really have time for is worship and preaching. So it's really like evangelism and discipleship 101. And that's it. And if we want people to go deeper, we will funnel them to all these things outside of Sunday mornings where they can grow and go deeper. And the reality is, and that's why well, I used to say that. And that was, our, that was our strategy. That was our vision. Even as I was experiencing deeper things of God. It's like, hey, go to open, oh, go to open heaven trainings. Come on, everybody. Guess what? Almost no one did. <laughs> the very, very, very few minority did. And then we think, well, those are the people called to ministry. Well, those are the people that are called to this or that. No, we're all called to it. And I've also learned if you have Sunday morning services as a church family, that's your main vehicle of discipleship. And a lot of people, maybe they're so daggone busy, that's all they have time for. Okay, let's just say that. That's all they're getting. What are you teaching them? while they're there. And so as the Lord has revealed this strategy, I'm like, oh, this is what he wants. This makes sense. Not only are we going to demonstrate worship, how to tune into God and worship him, how to sit and hear a sermon and learning and teaching and knowledge, but we're going to make space for prayer. And as you learn, just how we did, hey, take some time and repent. And just, and I, I did a little teaching. Just tell God this. Hey, I'm sorry for this. And hey, show me anything That's easy. If you know nothing about prayer, you could have done that for two minutes. I don't know if you did, but you could have. We're making space. Oh, uh, Jonas has a word from God. Let's share that. Oh, that's awesome. Good word. That's a prophetic word. That's what that is. Sometimes we share words of knowledge, words of encouragement. And you know what happens? Those are spiritual gifts. We know what happens when we demonstrate that regularly on a Sunday morning? Then when you're out in your school or your workplace, and all of a sudden you have this weird sense, and you're like, what's going on? And you, oh, oh my, I I'm, I feel like I need to tell so-and-so this. I have no idea. Oh, this is what we do at church. This is like one of those prophetic word things, I think. I think I will tell them that. Because at church, when it happens, really good things happen afterwards. You know what happens when you do ministry times? We're like, hey, we're going to pray for healing right now, and people get healed. And every now and then we go, who just got healed? And several people raise their hands like, oh, that's awesome, good, good. Then we share testimonies. You know what happens when you demonstrate that on a weekly basis in church? Then when someone's out in the world, they're like, oh, I know God heals today. Oh, you're sick? Well, I'll pray for you. I'll just pray like we do at church. Jesus, please heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. There's confidence. It's discipleship. It's discipleship. 
in the fullness. You know what discipleship is? Jesus defined it for us. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey some of the things. Teach them to obey all the things. Everything that I've commanded you. And so when we do all the things on Sunday mornings, Saturday nights, I have to say now, we disciple people in all the things. And here's the deal. Some people don't like all the things. Some Christians don't like all the things. Some Christians will think, I don't like all the things. I like church at an hour and 15. I want to go to the church down the street. And I would just say, you are absolutely free to. I think you probably have some strongholds, some mindsets, some beliefs that keep you from wanting to learn about all the things. That's what I think. But you're free to go. Our church is going to go after all the things because Jesus wants us to go after all the things. Everything must be done so the body is built up. And so many churches are weak and powerless. They have a form of godliness but deny the power because they don't do all the things. And so this is why we're doing what we're doing. And I'm so excited. Guys, this is the last thing I want to encourage you with. Every major decision we've made to this point has borne immense fruit. Well, Pastor, I've been here a while, and I know some people weren't happy, and they left, and they were here a long time. What about that? Is that fruit? That feels like division. All I know is there have been several times people have left, and we see more fruit afterwards. And that's me being honest. All I know is, last. I'll just take last year as a cross-section, but this is true across the board. Last year as a cross-section, our attendance was a little lower than it has been in the past since, since uh, post-COVID, okay? And it was a lot lower than pre-COVID. But last year, we had more baptisms in one calendar year than we've ever had in any other, and it was almost double the baptisms. By the way, most of those were in the last half of the year. You know, when we were really into the weird stuff. When we weren't denying the Spirit of God. When we were letting Him have His way. And what do you know? When He, ha- when he has His way, He does more. And so I'm excited about what we're doing. I'm excited about what God is going to do. And I just, again, want you to be praying over our church. And I, the last thing I want to say is, Starts Pentecost weekend, and it's Pentecost weekend. So y'all better get ready for revival, awakening, Holy Spirit come. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you for our time together today. And uh, I just say, Holy Spirit, come. God, we're surrendered. We're laid down. We're laying down our lives. We're laying down our schedules We're laying down how we live our lives to make our lives revolve around you. (laughs) And I just praise you for that. And I know that fire falls on sacrifice. And so I just ask you to send your fire. Send your Holy Spirit. Anoint these services with power and grace and love and fruitfulness. 
And God, I just pray from here on out, every week people are getting saved, healed, delivered, filled with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that we have the option of Saturday night where we can invite friends and family who maybe even go to other churches, and we're not trying to steal sheep, but they could come experience your Holy Spirit, get lit on fire, and then take that fire back to their churches. And I just ask for that. I ask for that. to, And I pray that those people won't stay here. I pray they'll go back and take the fire to their churches. I pray for other pastors and leaders who want to experience what you're doing will come and do that. I feel like I just felt a strong impression. There are other pastors and leaders who are filled with the Spirit, and they want to make the same transition in their church systems because their, their church is an old wineskin, and they want to facilitate the new wine God's pouring out. And they're going to be able to come here on Saturday nights and go, this is it. This is how you do it. Look at how they're facilitating this time together. This is amazing. And, and it's going to empower those guys to go back and cast a vision and be like, look what, look what we can do and look what God can do. And so I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that our Pulse students, you know, they, they can come to church on Saturday or Sunday now and receive a worship service and a teaching and, and filling of the Spirit. And then they go to school Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and they're getting beat down by the world and peer pressure. And they get to come back again Wednesday night and get filled back up and hear a great sermon and teaching and be encouraged by their other Christian friends midweek. And then they finish out the week strong. And guess what? They're right back in church on Sunday. And God, that's how it should be. You want your people in your presence all the time, all the time encouraging one another. And so I just thank you for that, God. I praise you for what you're revealing. And if this is your plan, which I believe it is, it's going to be good. It's going to be profoundly good. And so I just thank you for this new rhythm, the new strategy, the new wineskin. And we just give you our obedience, and we say, come, Lord, have your way. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.